Good evening, church. Uh, it's good to be here tonight in the house. I'm excited for these uh, four men that we are going to recommend that we put forth to serve on the deacon body. They've been, we started at 4.30 interrogating them. <clears throat> Even more than that, we made them put a suit on tonight. And they look really good tonight, by the way. They even sound good. And so I just want to thank you all for being here tonight. And uh, as we were singing right there, I was just reminded, um, because he's a good, good father, we not only can uh, be the father that God's called us to be, but that I'm standing uh, up here before you tonight and uh, I know many of you share the same the same uh, the same feelings I do about that so I'm thankful for our father in heaven holy is his name and um, tonight I, I want us to have fun Dr. Connor and I have been working through the Psalms together as fellow deacon brothers and you know, a lot of people systematically work through a proverb for whatever day it is, and I think that's really good. And, and, uh, but we decided to take the days of the year and just, it's, it's a challenge to keep up with, but if you read it every day, it's not because you see where you are. And they were so rich and good to us this year that when we finished, we both felt the Lord just saying, let's start over and read again. So tonight, what I'm gonna be sharing with these men and encouraging, hopefully encouraging these men, and I, I'm also encouraging myself, and I'm also encouraging you men and you women also. And uh, I want to share with you some of my favorite proverbs, and God really laid these on my heart. He'd been doing this some time back. My beautiful wife sitting over here, she actually challenged us to memorize this first one that we'll start in. It's Psalm 128. So if you got your Bible with you, turn to Psalm 128. <clears throat> By the way, um, all four of these men, in different ways and in many ways, have impacted my life. Some of them more than others, but I'm encouraged to get to know, uh, know them more and to do life with them more. So if you're at your place in 128, Reading from God's word. It says, How happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will be happy, and it will go well for you. Your wife will be a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons, like young olive trees around your table, in this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. May the Lord bless you from Zion so that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life and will see your children's children. Peace be with Israel. You know, when we see that, I see blessed or happy as everyone who fears the Lord. Amen. You know, you may have seen me at times where I didn't seem happy, but I can tell you for 13 or 14 years, I've been happy. Uh, it's been a good walk with Christ, and that is my 
heart's desires. I've seen you guys be happy. You guys are probably happier than I am at times, but I know that when we fear the Lord, we're happy. We're blessed. To be blessed, folks, is, means to be favored by God. And we all want Him to be in our favor. Amen? We want um, Him on our side because we know He wins. And we know when we're with Him, when we fear the Lord, when we honor the Lord and reverence the Lord, we win. We're favored. You know, happiness is a result of our relationship with God. You know, you, you hear about the Beatitudes that Jesus gave on the Sermon on the Mount. It can almost be said that these are the be happy tudes. And, uh, you know, you see, blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. You know, these things, they may seem different to you, but it is a recipe given by Jesus to bring us happiness. And if we will just take him at his word and trust him at his word, that will go a long ways towards our happiness. And, um, you know, you, you hear it in church your whole life, um, or when you come to church, finally, you hear this, but it isn't your ability, but it's your availability. Have you all heard that before? You, you hear that, and, and what that's saying is, is, you know, God can take you and use you, and he will. He is using you if you're allowing him to work in your life. And with that, it is, there's a lot of happiness in that. Amen. You like to be used by the, by the Lord. It's, it's fun. But I heard a, a sermon by Alistair Beggs. Uh, I, see, I see George sitting down here, and we used to listen uh, to sermons on the tractor. Tommy, Matt, we all, we'd listen to these sermons, and, and we all have our favorite preachers. And Alistair Beggs in Cleveland, Ohio is one of my favorites. And I heard him the other day. I get to hear sermons not so much so because I'm not in the tractor as much. But he said, you know, that's true. But if you think about it, if you think about it, we're all available, right? I mean, we're all the Lord's. We're all his. And so we're available. He said, I'll extend it and take it a little bit further and hold you a little more accountable here. Actually, a whole lot more accountable. He said, it's the attitude of your heart. That's the difference. Because we're all able, because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. We're all available because we all belong to the Lord when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And it's the attitude of the heart that defines us and gauges where we are spiritually. Because we know we can do all things if we don't do it in love. We're a, a clanging cymbal, a noisy gong. And so we want... To, to do things correctly in the attitude of the heart. You know, blessedness, like I said, means happiness. Being not only favored by God, but having God in your favor. This comes from being content in God and then taking and being thankful for the light that he's given us. And I know you guys are doing that well. Now, I just encourage you to keep doing it. Verse 1b says, those who walk in his way. And, you know, and, I, and I'll go to Psalm 1 right quick because Psalm 1 you're like, can you really be happy? Yes. In fact, we must be happy in the Lord. Psalm 1 is another one of my favorites. It says, how happy, in verse 1, Psalm 1, how happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season 
and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Now, I really, really like that. How happy or how blessed is a man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of, mar of mockers. Instead, your delight's in the Lord's instruction, and on it you meditate day and night. And so, deacons, church, men and women, when we go through the dry seasons in our life, and we all go through dry seasons in our life, it's because we've gotten away from our stream, the Lord Jesus Christ. says he's like a stream planted beside, you know, like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season. So I just want to encourage you to stay grounded in the Lord Jesus and uh, in Christ and, and his precepts that he lays out and defines clearly in his word. Brett, one of Brett's responses tonight was, is he would just take them to the word of God. And if the word, if, if God says it, it's the truth. And so we need to obey it. Amen. And so I, uh, I, I want us to be people who are in his word, who follow his word. And it says here, he will surely, you will surely eat in verse 2, back in Psalm 128 is where I am now. We find out here that the Lord will provide for us. He'll give us the provisions we need. He gives us, he meets our needs when we do it God's way. Amen? And you know what, folks? Verse... <laughs> Verse 3 is really, really important. If you do it God's way, you'll be happy. You'll do it His way. He'll provide for you. And your wife, your wife will be a, like a fruitful vine in your house. She'll be like a fruitful vine. So there's, you see here, man, it's more at stake than just us and our walk. It, it's our wife. And, and nurturing of, of her. The New King James even says it, says it this way. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. I like that. You know, it even goes, Deacon, a minute. It says not only ble are we blessed and favored, but our, but our wife is as well when we do it God's way. And then verse 3 also says that your children or your sons will be like young olive tr trees around your table. And I'm seeing that in your children's lives already. And I'm seeing that in our children's life because we want to do it God's way. We want to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I know many of you are. And when we do, when we do things God's way, we see here it, it affects us and our happiness. It affects our wife. And it affects our children. So on the flip side, when we don't do it God's way, folks, sadly our wife, our children, we suffer for it. And so I don't want to see this. And then it, th these verses go on and speak about Zion and, and Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. And it even says something that's crazy for me to think about, maybe some of you young deacons to think about, but it says we will see our children's children. And so we trust the Lord um, at his word and uh, rely on him for his promises. And I just... I love the song, men, and I, I want you four and every one of us, including myself, to be, <laughs> to be verse, uh, Psalm 128. Amen. Now, this morning, 
<laughs> I saw Psalm 131, and it's really short. I'm almost finished. Bear with me. And it talks about a childlike spirit. I had the privilege of sharing this this morning in the deacon's prayer time. And it goes like this in Psalm 131. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not get involved with things too great or difficult for me. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a little weaned child from its mother. I am like a little child. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. When I see this, it stands out right away. Lord, my heart's not proud. My heart's not proud. We want to be men that are humble. Humility is honestly assessing ourselves in view of our sinfulness in light of God's holiness. Folks, we're all toast apart from the Lord Jesus and his grace. That should humble us. Amen. And... Um, Lord, my heart is not proud when I put my hope in you. My eyes are not haughty. Verse 1b, my eyes are not haughty. Haughty eyes, folks, and we all have it at times. I, times in my life I have haughty eyes. It comes from a dirty heart. And when our hearts are dirty, we must do battle. Sometimes on a daily basis, especially when we're in those dry seasons of keeping our hearts clean. Walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Asking him to do his will in our lives. Asking him to fill us. Asking his fruits to be visible in our life. You know, bearing fruit, a lot of times I had the, I made the mistake of thinking, oh, I got to get out and bear some fruit. I, I got to get after it and go win some souls. I got to get out and share the gospel and bring some people in, you know, bear some fruit. But the Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for people like David Jeremiah who, Reminded me one day on the radio, no, Kurt, it's not up to you. It's up to me. If you will abide in me, I'll abide in you. I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit will come out of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. When we abide in the Lord Jesus, those things will flow from us. And it'll get on them out there. It'll get on you. And we'll have fun. We'll be happy. How happy is the man who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Amen. And um, so that frees you up to just walk in the spirit and let Jesus do the increase. He's really good at his job. He's still really good at his job. Amen. I mean, he is at work. He's on the move and uh, really good at what he does. Um, also, we see in verse 1c, I do not get involved with things too difficult for me. I have instead, I have calmed and quieted myself. Folks, 1 Thessalonians 4.11 reminds us to make it our ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind our own business, and to work with our own hands as commanded. And that's what we want to be about we want to be about his business not in everyone else's business amen and uh, you know i don't know if i was supposed to but i snuck into the yellow jacket locker room about a month ago i hadn't been in there and i don't guess since they built the new field house 
It didn't smell real good, folks. I mean, this was at 10 o'clock in the morning. It wasn't even hot yet. 9 o'clock in the morning, it wasn't even hot yet. But it was, there was a stench in there. It's, it, you know what it smelled like? It smelled like a really good football team. They got a good football team this year. Praise the Lord. But I'm in there, and I'm like, man, I can't believe no one was in here. I was like a kid in a candy, candy store in there. And so I was like, man, I'm going to take some pictures of these signs on the wall. I'm taking pictures of them, and I really liked this one. Don't point a finger. Matt Vines just said, when you can lend a hand, don't point a finger. Lend a hand. And that's what I want you for. That's what I want us 21 deacons to be. That's what I want you men and women in this church is to not be finger pointers, but to be active in lending a hand. And uh, I want us to be thankful and grateful. Folks, don't take the easy road of grumbling and complaining, being critical of others, pointing the finger, unforgiving. You know, dirty hearts result in all this and leads to pride and unforgiveness, and it, <laughs> it causes strife. We don't want to be that. We want to be thankful and grateful. We want to give praise to the one who's worthy, the good, good father that we sing about tonight. Because when we are right vertically, when we're right vertically as deacons, as men, and as women in this church, and as people, as the children of God, as the big C church family of God, when we're right with him, it changes everything horizontally. Vertically being right, walking in the spirit, will change our relationships horizontally at home, at work, and we can have that happiness. That wife will be that fruitful vine in the heart of your house. Those children, those sons, they'll spring up like wild olive shoots, and they'll be all about his business. Amen? That's what we want to be. Thank you so much, and appreciate it. Come on up, men, as you are, and all four of you stand here, and we didn't decide, so whoever wants to be first up, just come on, and one follow in at the other. Matt, good job stepping up. <laughs> I figure if I don't start now, then I may not get through it. Um, if I sound like I'm reading it, I may be, because I am a little bit nervous, but I think it's fitting this morning in the sixth grade Sunday school class that I teach, uh, our verse, memory verse for the month and the theme was, be strong and create, courageous. And I think it's kind of fitting for that. Me having to be up here tonight and I'm nervous and afraid and I talked to him about that this morning. But I want to start out saying I'm a blessed man to be standing up here tonight. Um, first, the Lord gave me my wife and he, she is exactly what I needed at the time when he gave it to her. And I'm thankful that she grew up in a home also that was loved by the They taught her to love the church. Um, and she displays exactly what it means to put others before herself. And she is also a prayer warrior for our house. 
The Lord blessed me with two boys, Tom and Austin. And some of y'all may be able to test this, but I promise you they act better in church than I did at their age. <laughs> I'm blessed to have parents that were committed to serve the Lord and love Him and made a priority in our lives growing up to be here in church no matter what and to teach us and model to us what it meant to serve our church. And I'm blessed to call this church home because I grew up here. So many of you know me, many of you may not. But I gave my life to Christ here in this church one night at a revival, sitting right over there so I can remember it. You know, I don't remember exactly what the words the preacher said that night, but I remember the first time in my life realizing that I needed Jesus. I realized that I didn't understand it right then, but I, I understood it just enough to know that because of my sin, I was separated from Christ and that I needed Him for salvation. And as I grew up in faith and matured, the Lord kept me from many things, thankfully. There were, there were many years of very fruitful and rewarding choices that I made. But there were also years of spiritual dryness that we've talked about. But the dryness and the struggles that I faced at the time were not, were not theological issues or there weren't that I doubted my salvation or anything. It was because I committed to being faithful to the Lord at the time and not being selfish and trying to do it my own way and try to live the Christian life the way I think it should be lived instead of the way the Christ tells us to live it. So about 10 years ago, I was reading in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Samuel says, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offering and sacrifice as in obeying the word of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than a sacrifice. And I realized right then the Lord wants my obedience. And he wants my whole heart. And I already knew this. Growing up in church, I knew the lingo. I knew what to say. But this was a definite reminder that he wanted my whole heart. And it became a spiritual marker for my journey in Christ. That it kind of changed the direction that my life was going. And I'm so thankful for it. And I pray that I can serve the Lord and use a church body faithfully. Thank you. I can't see y'all out there, but I hope y'all can see me with these lights. Um, first of all, let me say that there is no good in me but the Lord Jesus that saved me. I deserve nothing but death, but because of God's perfect love, he sent his son Jesus to take my place. I am thankful and give all the glory to God for this call to serve him and his church that I love and consider no less than family. If it wasn't for my mother, I wouldn't be standing here today. That's obvious. It only was she birthed me. I was born again because of her. As far back as I can remember, I recall seeing her with her Bible praying every morning. I would ask, what was she doing? She would tell me she was praying, spending time talking to God and praying for me. At eight years old, I prayed with her and asked Jesus to save me. And I put my trust in him and my new life began. Things went great, clicked along like clockwork for several years until a period of tests, trials, and painful circumstances left me in doubt and angry at God. 
I began to run away from God and replace my love for him with a love for the world. After a period of running, I was left broken, empty, and at rock bottom. So I did what deep down I knew to do the whole time. I prayed and asked God to take me back, and he did. I truly surrendered all I had to him and began to seek him. God put me back together and, and started began a work in me that changed me in such a way on the inside that he was doing a work through me on the outside too. And now, with great confidence in Jesus, I can truly say I'm a new creation, made alive in Christ, walking by faith with uncontainable joy. Thank you all. Never knew these lights were so bright up here. <laughs> if, they're, if they're this bright when you're preaching, you don't have to worry about anything because you can't see out there. But uh, I'm blessed to be standing before you uh, this evening. Uh, and I, I'm thankful, thankful to God for this opportunity. Um, in terms of my, my uh, life, I was raised uh, from a young, young age uh, in the church. Um, and uh, would have called myself a, a Christian. I believed in God, uh, believed in Jesus, and Jesus being the Son of God and dying. But my uh, my knowledge was a was a head knowledge. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't a heart knowledge. Uh, I didn't know Jesus as as a personal Savior. Uh, I would have uh, would have and did scoff at terms like born again. Uh, we, in, the, in the denomination I was a member of, we had infant baptism, so I was baptized as an infant, thought that I was, I was good to go. Uh, but I, I led a life that was, uh, that was uh, not uh, showing the fruits of the Spirit by any means. Uh, it was a life that I was consumed with myself. I was self-absorbed. I was proud. Uh, I was selfish, self-centered. Uh, I... Uh, uh, my praying was, I uh, would pray uh, when I was in trouble or when I, when I needed something or I wanted something, uh, use Jesus as, uh, as my uh, uh, ticket or my, my ace up my sleeve, so to speak. Uh, but I, again, I just was vacant uh, in terms of a, of a personal uh, relationship with Jesus. Uh, 2007, I'm convinced that the Lord uh, led uh, my wife Tamara and me to Arkansas uh, through my, my job. Uh, he led us to, uh, to Wynn uh, and to Wynn Baptist Church. Uh, and it was here in Wynn Baptist Church, um, uh, coming here and worshiping here, uh, going to Connections class, um, uh, Brother Matt Pearson uh, had a great influence uh, on me, uh, and the Holy Spirit, uh, I believe, really worked on me, transformed me, uh, and I turned turned me into a new a new person, a transformation of the heart and of the soul and of the mind. Uh, I saw the the fact that I I needed I, I needed uh, Jesus as my Savior, uh, that I was a sinner, uh, that the way I was living my life was not not. Uh, in obedience to the Lord. It was not what the Lord wanted me to do, uh, and I wanted to be different. Uh, I am a transformed man uh, by the grace of God uh, and the faith that he's given me and the precious blood of our Savior Jesus. Um, however, I still struggle. I'm still a man. I'm still a sinner. I still struggle with those, with those things that, uh, 
that caused me to trip up. Uh, but now I have accountability to Jesus uh, and not to myself. Uh, in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs talks about uh, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Uh, I didn't fear the Lord uh, in my former life. I feared man, and I wanted man's approval. Uh, but now I seek the Lord. Uh, I want to live my life to be pleasing to him and in service to him. And I just uh, uh, I ask you for your prayers uh, to help support me and that I can uh, have faithful service to this congregation and, and to the Lord. Uh, and I, I give thanks to him and all praise and, and glory to him. Thank you. Uh, I warned them that it's dangerous to give a music guy an open mic and an opportunity to speak, um, but uh, I will be watching the clock. Uh, I was the first baby in the nursery of a mission church of First Baptist Collierville, Tennessee. Uh, my dad was Mr. Music at that church. I, I grew up in a family uh, that was in church every Sunday. Uh, my dad wasn't just the Mr. Music, he was also a deacon. Uh, my mother taught Sunday school. She uh, led the youth choir. She was a choir member. She, I, I was born into a family of ministry and of service. Uh, it's what my folks did. And then as I began to get older, and it wasn't much older, um, I was involved. It wasn't something that they did. It was something that we did as a family. Um, I sang in front of the church uh, for the first time before my second birthday. Um, and so I, but I'm a, I'm naturally an introvert. I don't like being the center of attention. Um, on uh, March the 28th, 1980, uh, in a revival service at the age of seven, I understood what I had heard so many times throughout my life. Uh, and I understand that God was calling me and I was being convicted of my sin and I knew for the first time and understood that I needed a savior. I grew up in a church though that was not very healthy. Uh, despite all the service and all the good folks who meant really well, uh, discipleship was not something that was practiced. It was not something that I even understood. I didn't even understand what grace really was. Um, and so I struggled with seeing uh, one side of people at church and then a different version of them outside church. And I thought that that was normal. And so I, at, I, I gave in to that. And yet at 17, God calls me to ministry. And I struggle back and forth. And I had seen the hypocrisy in, in so many and by the time I was 17, some really famous preachers had had some very serious public failures. And I just thought that was normal. I didn't understand. And then God gave me the opportunity uh, to serve in a, in, a, in a church that had just um, experienced an upheaval. Uh, and was basically starting over with three families who had mortgaged everything that they had to save the church. Um, and my first uh, Sunday as uh, a minister of music was Easter Sunday, 1991, uh, at 18. And I was way, way, way over my head. 
Um, but I met my best friend, the person who would have a greater impact on my life uh, that next week. Um, and he began to disciple me. And he began to describe to me what grace really was. That it wasn't a punchline. And that it wasn't just some abstract thing. But that grace was transformative. And if I allowed God's grace to flow through me, it would change who I am. But I struggled. Because I had had so many bad examples throughout my life. In my 20s, my early 20s were ugly. And I was in ministry, and I was doing some things that I shouldn't have been doing. And I was very unhealthy. And I thought it was normal. And my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer at 43. I moved back home to help take care of her. She died the next year. I had a very bad relationship that I was in, very unhealthy, that broke up in that, last, in that year as well. And God took away everything that I had leaned on. And um, after my mom died, we, uh, I went to Gatlinburg. Because I've always felt closer to God in the mountains. And I just knew that I needed to connect. That something was really, really wrong and something was really missing. And I drove up the parkway. Uh, between Gatlinburg and Cherokee, North Carolina, about halfway up, pulled over on the side of the road, and I climbed a waterfall all the way to the top of the mountain, and I was so angry with God at that point. I dammed up that waterfall and made it actually run off the other side of the mountain just because I wanted to say, all right, God, yeah, you made this, but look what I can do. Nobody will ever see this again. I drove back to the hotel, and I wept the whole night, and God met with me there. And we settled a lot of things. I learned a lot about God that day. Learned that God's big enough to take it when I'm angry with him, even when it is so unjustified on my part. And he's big enough to love me when I yell at him, and I say, this is not fair. And he loves me anyway. And that next morning, I drove right back out to that same spot, and I tore that dam down. And I have walked a lot closer with God since then. And then I met Christy, and uh, she challenged me often. Uh, she intimidated me a little bit spiritually when I met her, just her maturity level. And... Uh, we got married in our 30s, and uh, God moved me to Arkansas. I was like, West Memphis, man, what are you talking about, God? And then God led us to a church that in a town, a little bitty church in a little bitty town that I would not even have known existed. And that whole time, God was pulling us toward win. Every relationship that we had, God was drawing us to win. Uh, and I'm so thankful, and my family is so thankful uh, that God has brought us to win. I'm humble and honored um, that you think enough of me to ask me to serve you. And I will do so to the best of my ability. And please know that if I can serve you in any way, 
please don't hesitate to ask. I will be there for you. I love you. My family loves you. And we're so thankful that you love us. Thank you, men. <clears throat> I think you can see right away that we have, we have four special guys that the Lord is bringing to serve among us in our deacon body. And tonight, I want to take just a few moments, and I want to call your attention to two passages of Scripture before we lay hands and pray over these four men. The first one is found in Acts chapter 6. The other one is found in John chapter 7. Acts chapter 6 is, is a go-to passage of Scripture for me whenever I think about deacons. There's some controversy, not much, about whether or not this passage applies to deacons at all, but most scholars believe that this is probably describing the very genesis, very beginning of deacons in the Bible. In chapter 6, the Bible says, now in those days, Acts chapter 6, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose, and then it lists them. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And it lists the other men. In verse 6 it says, whom they set before the apostles, these seven men. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Verse 7, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. There was a problem in the church. There were a series of attacks that had come to the church that were external to the church, persecution, and different things that had happened to the church. But this was one of the first things that had happened inside the church. Not the first, but one of the first things. In that day and time, if you were a widow, there was no social security system. And so if your needs were going to be met, you depended on the synagogue. When these ladies had come to Christ, they weren't part of the synagogue anymore. And so they depended on the church and the welfare and the giving of the church to have their needs supplied. And this complaint arose. It was a legitimate complaint, perhaps. I don't know. We, we were really not told in the Scripture, but one group said, hey, this other group is getting better treatment than we're getting. And so the apostles, I think if this had been a Baptist church, they couldn't have got away with this. But they said, you know, God didn't call us to do this. We were called to do other things, and it's absolutely vital and essential that we do these other things. And so our proposal is that you choose from among you seven men who are of good reputation. You wouldn't want men of bad reputation. And who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. There's some discussion about what deacons do. And from church to church, each church has to decide what, what it means to be a deacon in terms of what deacons do. Some, some churches treat deacons as kind of those who do all the practical things of the church, and then you have pastors and or elders or some combination thereof, and they do the spiritual things in the church. I don't believe that. Because of the qualifications that the apostles set before the church. 
The qualification is that they were going to be men full of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, why would you need to be full of the Holy Spirit to wait tables, to do food distribution, to do something so practical that it doesn't seem like you need to be necessarily filled with the Holy Spirit to do that? Well, because everything that we do in the church, we're supposed to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no secular task in the church. Everything that we do is supposed to be empowered and led by the Holy Spirit of God. And what's really remarkable is that the church was able to look out over the congregation, and without hesitation they said, well, we know seven guys. There's one, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one. To be filled with the Holy Spirit was an observable quality. To see a man, to look at a man, and to see that the Holy Spirit of God is moving in him, leading him, empowering him, was something that they could see in those seven men. I see that in these four men. I think you hear that in their testimonies, that God has been at work in their lives, and they may be uh, comfortable up here in the lights. They may not be comfortable in the lights. Most of them didn't look very comfortable in the lights. And so they may not be people that are, that are out front or, or have loud personalities, whatever the case may be, but nevertheless, the Holy Spirit of God clearly is at work in these men, and we need them. We need every man who serves in our deacon body to be a man who's full of the Holy Spirit. We need every man in our church to be a man who's full of the Holy Spirit. But we definitely need that in those that we look to as leaders in service. The question I have and, and that I want to address and um, go forward with is how does a deacon do ministry? And that, for that, I want to turn to the other passage. In John chapter 7, verse 37. How does a deacon do ministry? This is the Lord Jesus in verse 37, John 7, verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. How does a deacon do ministry? Well, a deacon does ministry the same way, really, that anyone does ministry. Their primary qualification is that they would be men full of the Holy Spirit. And so whenever they enter into a ministry assignment, whether it's food distribution for widows or any kind of assignment that they might have, they have the privilege, the ability, and the capacity to do that task, to enter into that ministry situation with the Holy Spirit of God at work in them. Jesus prophesied about what it would be like when the Holy Spirit came. And the first thing he said about and to us is, does anyone thirst? Do you have a consciousness that there's something missing in your life? That by yourself, you are inadequate to do the task. That you do not possess within yourself, no matter how much education or talent or ability or skill or training that you've obtained, you do not possess in and of yourself the ability to do what God's going to call you to do. You don't. And so Jesus looks at the crowd and he says, does anyone thirst? Does anyone have a sense of need? Do you realize that you are by yourself inadequate? Do you realize that you need more in life than what you're experiencing? What does he say? He says, come to me and drink. 
One of the questions that was asked of these men and their spouses when they went through the Deacon Nomination Review Committee and then through their ordination council this afternoon had to do with their time alone with God each day. Uh, our deacon body or men are very sensitive to the importance of having that interaction with the Lord Jesus every day, and they all were interested in that question. They would ask that question. And each of these men took time to describe how they begin their day with God and how they walk with God throughout their day and how important that was to them. Jesus says, if you thirst, he says, come to me and drink. It is in the context of that relationship with Jesus that anyone can do ministry. And I need to be with him. I need to see him. I need to hear him. I need to know him. I need to see his beauty. I need to be reminded that he's in charge. I need to be refreshed just knowing it's not all dependent on me. And that when I don't have the answers and I'm sputtering with what, what to do or how to respond to somebody who's asked me something, that I can fall back into the arms of Christ. That I don't have to have all the answers or all the strength, all the ability. Jesus has that. He says, come to me and drink. Drink. And then he says, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is the secret of sustaining ministry over the long haul. He says, believe in me. Now, we think of believing certain things about Jesus. I think he's going much deeper than that. He's not saying, just believe that I'm the Son of God. He's saying, rest in me. Rest in me. Trust me. And he who does this, he who comes to me and drinks and who believes in me and rests in me, counts on me, depends on me, the one who does that, out of his heart will flow rivers and rivers and rivers and rivers of living water. Why? Because he's good? No. has nothing to do with him. It's because in resting in Christ, he has tapped the eternal love of God. He has tapped the eternal wisdom of God. He's tapped the eternal power of God. And as he, these four guys, as they go into ministry, resting in Christ, coming to him and drinking, thirsting for him, the Bible says that out of their heart will come rivers of living water. They will be able to do more in ministry than they have ever dreamed possible by simply resting in Christ. Those, those rivers of living water, what is that? But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing or resting in him would receive. I can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. Neither can you. And it is a joy to sense the working of the Spirit in the lives of these four men and their families and their homes. And it's our privilege tonight to set them apart for ministry as deacons in Wynn Baptist Church. So as we do that, I'm going to ask you four, if you would, to kind of come up and grab a chair. And we're going to line them up in the front. At the same time, I'm going to ask a couple men to bring four chairs and, and put them down here on this piano side. And I'm going to ask for the four wives of these four men to come and take a seat over here. Are we ordaining their wives? No, but they are part of this exercise in a major way. And the, um, the, the blessing of ministry that these guys are going to be doing is going to include their wives. And so I'm going to ask for their wives to be seated over here, the four men to be seated in the front, okay? And ladies, if you would come and go ahead and take a seat. 
And in just a moment when I say go, all right, I'm going to ask all of the wives of our deacons and of our ministry staff, I'm going to ask for all of our wives of our ordained men to come and circle these four ladies and pray for them. I'm not going to give you any instruction, instruction beyond that. We discussed that in the ordination council. We figured the ladies, y'all would figure that out. So we're just going to ask you to pray for these women. You know how to pray for them, and we're going to let you do that and have time to do that. I'm going to ask the ordained men of the church to come and circle these four men. Uh, choose a guy, circle him up. You're going to find with each of these men, we have identified one deacon who's going to kind of guide your group in laying hands on and praying for each of these four men. And so I'm going to ask first for those four men to come up and stand beside these guys, if you would come first. And, um, and these guys are going to be kind of guides for the other men. And uh, they're going to stand and they're going to pray with these four men. Okay? I'm going to pray for us to get us started, but when I say amen, I'm going to ask all the ordained men to come and circle these four men. I'm going to ask our wives, the, ordained, uh, the wives of the ordained men to come and pray for the wives, okay? And then, and then Tommy Owens is going to close us out for the evening. We'll be concluding our service uh, when he prays, all right? Pray with me. Father, thank you for the privilege we have tonight of being a part of this ordination service. And as a church, we believe we're simply being obedient to what you have done in raising these men up. And so, Lord, as they receive the laying on of hands, we pray these men would be deeply encouraged that they would sense your Holy Spirit at work in them. And may the things they hear and experience tonight sustain them through ministry for years to come. We pray you would bless their wives, that they would be encouraged by the other women. And Father, for those of us in the congregation who are going to be witnessing this, we want to be praying, lifting them up as well, thanking you, giving you thanks for placing among us the kind of men that we need to serve. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Men, would you come? Wives, would you come and pray over these wives? Ordained men of the church, would you circle these four guys? And then we're going to ask our wives, the ordained men, to pray over these wives. And church, I ask you just to be praying along. This won't take too terribly long, but it's so important. And so I ask you to be praying along with us as they pray for these different men. Our God, thank you for the lives of these four men. God, thank you for the way that you have uniquely called them. God, that you have called them out to serve you. God, thank you for every success in their life and every failure in their life, God, that has shaped them, that you have used to shape them for this moment. God, you, you knew them before you formed them in their mother's womb. God, you knew, God, that you would call them to this day to serve, to humble themselves to be Christ-like.
So God, thank you for everything that you have used, the sufferings and the, the victories, everything, God. God, we thank you for the way that they have yielded their lives to you, the way that they have humbled themselves to serve. Thank you for um, their wives and their families and their children. God, the way that you have used people in their lives to form them, to bring them to Christ, to give them a spiritual heritage. God, we ask that you would uh, keep them from the evil one. God, that uh, in the days of head, uh, ahead that uh, the enemy has become angry, that you, the church would dare set them apart for the cause of the King of glory. So God, would you would you protect them? Would you uh, uh, help them to understand that when attacks come against them that it's the enemy? But greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world and that you will protect them. God, thank you for uh, this day. Thank you as a church for uh, calling for outstanding men to serve the body. God, we pray for those who are already serving, that God, we, that, that we plus these four would walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have called us to. So God, we give you all glory and all honor, and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.